So it seems uh, Zimbabwe has seasonal roads. How do you intend on improving needed road repairs? Faster repair crew deployment, or do you have another alternative? Uh, regarding the infrastructure in this country, it is important to identify uh, companies that can do a good job. For example, regarding road repair, we intend to put out bids and uh, identify uh, companies that have a history, that have a record of uh, good road building. Those are the ones that we will support mm. because you, you don't want to have roads that are under repair every season. Uh, you want to have roads that when they are fixed, you know, they run for maybe three, four years uh, before they need repairs. So I've seen some roads that have been constructed of late where blacktop is only like less than a quarter of an inch thick and those are going to last just one year. After that, we're back to square one. We don't want that kind of cheap job. How do you reconcile your passion for this nation, her people, and its culture with your, quote-unquote, opening Zimbabwe for business? That's a very good question, because uh, I, I can tell you that uh, I know that the people of Zimbabwe are hard-working people. I also know that the people of Zimbabwe have great ideas. So we are planning to put in place a program that would uh, give loans to individuals who have uh, uh, who have an idea of what they want to do because when we talk about opening Zimbabwe for business we should open Zimbabwe uh, for business for Zimbabweans first because there are Zimbabweans who are who are abroad who are in the diaspora and, and they have expertise but they cannot do it here because there's no, no money there's no we cannot support them financially. So when we open Zimbabwe for business, we are not putting the country on a, on a market as it were. We will open the country uh, to Zimbabweans first, do business in Zimbabwe, and then uh, if, if outsiders come, if outside investors come, they are also welcome. Uh, my knowledge of, uh, of uh, this, this whole thing is that uh, Normally, investors, they don't come here to develop your country. They come here to, to get whatever they want and leave. But when you, when you support indigenous people, they know this is their home. They're going to do a good job because they know that uh, they will leave this to their children and even grandchildren. So I believe very strongly that uh, we should support, we should open Zimbabwe for business for Zimbabweans first. And then, of course, uh, outsiders are also welcome. All right. <clears throat> um, so you may not want to reveal your strategies uh, this early into the election campaign. That being said, what is your tangible strategy for ensuring the standard of living is raised in this country? That is also a very interesting question because, um, yeah, Zimbabwe is 42 years old now. Our strategy for developing the standard of living in Zimbabwe can, is not a secret. I know that in Zimbabwe, the way we are, even if we divulge our secret, people uh, cannot implement it because our real secret is not just the strategy, it's our integrity. And uh, a lot of other parties don't have that integrity. And so even if we tell them the secret, they cannot implement it. So I don't mind divulging the secret. The secret is, we are, are a people, we are a party that believes in um, 
accountability, in transparency, and, uh, and so forth. And so when we do our work, whatever we do, uh, the secret to success is, is integrity in business, is transparency, as I said, and accountability. Mm. Good answer. Good answer. Right, next question. Uh, being a man of the cloth, how will your beliefs affect the unbelievers amongst your citizens? Well, I have to tell you, <laughs> I have to tell you that I don't believe that there are unbelievers in Zimbabwe. They are just people who don't live up to their beliefs. Okay. Having said that, uh, Zimbabwe has three major religious groups: Christian body, the African traditional religion uh, body, and uh, and others, including a few Muslims. So all these people, um, they have they have certain beliefs and uh, they're entitled to their beliefs. But we are going to make sure that uh, that uh, the basic thing that we all learn from our respective religions is to respect the human to respect humanity. Human dignity is an important thing, and we are going to uh, make sure that we encourage. Uh, a culture of, 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 of human respect. We, we want to make sure that uh, whatever happened in the past, you know, like the Gukura Hundi or the Murambatsina and all these things, those are very kind of primitive ways of trying to, to develop a country. You cannot develop a country by destroying people, by killing people, by abducting people. You don't do that. We develop a country community by by um, encouraging uh, any any pro programs and projects that enhance humanity okay it's all about humanity mm -hmm. right so um, next question is what are your thoughts on legalizing marriages between citizens of the same gender when it comes to uh, homosexuality in this country that question that you are raising is not one that the president can make a, a, a ruling that would be uh, that would be different from our belief as a democratic uh, country that kind of a question is left to the religious bodies to make up their minds they decide what they want to do uh, if the Christians believe that it's okay for same-sex marriages to happen that is that is what they do um, and, and if uh, Muslims believe that it's not a good thing to do, that, that's what they are going to do. We cannot legislate how people are going to marry. That is done by respective bodies because it borders on being a moral issue. As government, however, we are going to make sure that whatever uh, uh, policies these bodies uh, adopt, they are humanizing, not dehumanizing. So if there was a same-sex couple that wanted to go to, to do a, a, a court wedding, Jeff, how would you handle it? Again, as president, I would not uh, legislate anything by myself, especially something that is uh, of social nature like this. Uh, it would have to go to parliament and the parliament would debate and then put a law that, uh, that legislates because uh, uh, there are certain things where it's not about what the president believes, it's about what the people believe or want. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those issues where 
I'm not in a position to, to tell anybody or to tell you that um, I will do one, two, three, no. I know it's a very popular question in this country right now. How do you intend on dealing with inflation? That is the best question of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a question everyone asks every day. Right, yeah. right, right. Um, inflation in this country uh, is caused by corruption. Corruption is contributed to, uh, to inflation in this country. If, if and when we get in power, what we intend to do is to make sure we create a stable currency. Once we have a stable currency, we are not going to be using two or three currencies simultaneously. And, uh, and uh, so, because we are going to have one currency that, 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 that is supported by, by business, uh, by industry, and so forth. And we are not going to allow this printing, a random printing of money in order to pay the soldiers or in order to pay the teachers or in order to pay the doctors just print money that is not supported by by bullion we don't do that um what measures will you put in place to encourage zimbabweans in the diaspora to permanently reside in this country there's a lot of zimbabweans out there a lot of them don't want to come back or how will your how will your government encourage people to come back i like that question i think that's part of the reason why i am uh, running for president. We want this country to be the best spot in the world. So if a person was born in Zimbabwe, raised in Zimbabwe, and they had to leave the country because they, either there's no, there are no jobs here or there are no opportunities uh, to develop their businesses or to use their skills or to exercise the freedom of uh, speech and so forth, all those things need to be reversed or revisited. So part of the reason I'm running for president is to make Zimbabwe the best so that people who are born here and they left because of all these uh, uh, things that I've just mentioned will find themselves coming back home and you've heard the expression that there's no place like home, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so these people, well, once Zimbabwe is is run in a, in a normal way where where there's order, where there's peace, uh, where, where there's um, a rule of law, and uh, where there's justice and all those things, these people naturally come back home. They want to be home. I know a lot of uh, people, a lot of friends in diaspora, they have nice homes there, but they will never approve those homes, those houses to bring them to Zimbabwe. They wish that those homes were in Zimbabwe, then they can call, then they are comfortable. So, a lot of people out there are dying to come back home, but right now, under these conditions in Zimbabwe right now, they cannot do that because uh, there are so many uh, factors that 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 that, uh, that are unfavorable. Mm. For example, the the thing that you just mentioned, the inflation. You bring your money and you try to invest in something, and the currency changes two three times in two years, and then that's not good for your money. So, making Zimbabwe uh, uh, the best spot on the on the continent. Is, is one factor that is going to draw uh, the people in the diaspora back home. In fact, even non-Zimbabweans would want to come to Zimbabwe because it, 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 you know, when it's regarded as, as the best on the continent. Mm. There's a lot of questions that we got sent in, so we have to get through them. Um, a high-ranking financial officer said he would resign if the bond note failed. The bond note is not looking too good these days. 
and this officer is still in office. I not to talk about not to talk about this officer in particular, but just as a general policy, how would your government handle accountability for its words and its actions? Yes, I, I think you, you we all know who the person is. There's no uh, need to name names. Yeah, yeah, we yeah, don't need. Yeah. To, I, I, I got that clue. We don't have we don't have to name uh, names, but uh, I was gonna say that kind of statement comes from a person who um, who is trying to put across an idea that he believes is correct. But you know what? As you said, it it did not happen, and nothing happened to him mm. because there is no. There's no integrity in the government. There's no integrity in these uh, institutions, especially the ones that are supervised by the government. A person who heads that institution, who heads an, uh, an organization or an institution like the, uh, like the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe, to make a statement like that, to put his life on line like that, was a little bit of a mistake. Because, uh, as you said, in the end, he did not resign, and he's still there. So, and there's no accountability. Now, that is typical of what's going on in Zimbabwe. A lot of people that have been co convicted for, for corruption are interrogated and thrown in jail for two days and then they are out. That's what's happening because there's no rule of law. So my belief is that uh, Zimbabwe should first and foremost be run by a government that, that has integrity, that is honest, a government that, is, that, is, that respects the population so that they don't just um, say things and know that no consequences will follow. Okay, so that's my, my, my take on that. But on top of all this, if a person makes a public statement like that, honestly, it's fair for the person to make another statement, either to withdraw or to say, I still stand by my word and face the consequences. To not do that is just a weakness of society to let anything, you know, anything goes. We cannot have a country like that. If you could, sorry, if you could summarize your party's ethos in 30 seconds, how would you do that? I can do that in less than a second. Integrity. Mm. All right. Okay. 29 seconds to hang out. All right. So what do you have to say to those people who feel that voting is a waste of time as the election result is already determined? I don't believe that the election results are already determined because this time around, the people of Zimbabwe have decided that enough is enough. It is true that uh, in the past elections have been rigged and it is true that uh, in the past a lot of people have voted and nothing came out of whatever they believed and so forth. But this time around it looks like uh, a lot of people are very serious about about change. Uh, we, I, we have spoken to, to people who are in the ruling party itself and they say, you know what, it's not working. If there's another party that can, they don't say it like this, but what they really indicate is that if there's another party that is that can handle this situation better than us, we will support them uh, um, nicodemously, obviously. Uh, and so I know that this time around, when they see my candidacy, when they see that, uh, that, that um, I'm a man of integrity, when they know that I have... I have um, a clear understanding of what democracy ought to be, uh, they are going to, to vote in large numbers and uh, those who are comfortable with manipulating votes will, will come to a point where they say, no, no, let's let it go. Let's let this man win because, <laughs> because 
everybody is voting for him. So I'm looking for a lot of votes uh, in my favor because I am one guy who is representing, who is in a tradition of, uh, of uh, uh, politics where democracy is valued. In 1979, when the UANC was in power in Zimbabwe, it was demonstrated that, uh, that the rule of law was in place, that, every, that the currency was good, there's nothing like this kind of inflation that we were experiencing. Yeah, everybody was charged, was expected, to, uh, was accountable to some structure. Everything was done uh, in a transparent manner. And so people know that this time it's not just a matter of voting for the permanent opposition party that has been there for 20 years, opposing, opposing for 20 years to no avail, which is what has discouraged some people from voting anymore. They vote against and they, they always are told you have lost. And then the other party who have been voting and winning uh, because they, they manipulate votes, they've also gotten to a point of saying, what's the use of winning when the country is losing? So between those two, people are not going to vote for either one. They're going to vote for this party, the UANC party led by myself, because they know that one, we have a history of of, of leadership mm. and we've also uh, people of integrity by the way i intend to i uh, i have already a shadow cabinet consisting of people who are, uh, who are whom i believe are clean uh, mm. and who are going to have to declare their assets to the nation going in so that we know that that, that whatever they had before for me is not an issue but going forward, they have to be accountable for whatever they own, whatever they possess, because we want to be sure that uh, people of Zimbabwe know that this government means business. So if someone is, is, is involved in corruption, they're in trouble. This government will put them in trouble. Mm. Beginning with the president. If the president is, is involved in a, something that is not acceptable, mm. you'll be in trouble not to mention cabinet ministers, not to mention anybody, including even the police. Mm. Yes, thank you. When you, said, uh, when you said shadow government, that sounds like some um, kind of uh, cloak and dagger. What, what do you mean by shadow government exactly? Shadow government is traditionally uh, defined as a, a, a people that, are, that have been identified as potential cabinet ministers, but that is not disclosed to people yet because, of course, we are not yet in government. And also, these are people that I would have identified as people of integrity. Mm. Now, they are shadow in the sense that they are not yet out there. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Mm -hmm. Thanks for clarifying that. So no one likes war, but how do you plan to assist other nations that ask you for assistance in armed conflict? It's very difficult to, to get involved in... Uh, other people's disputes, other nations' disputes, because uh, it, uh, it could be apparent that most likely it would be like this. It could be a civil war. And so there are two warring parties in the same country. You don't want to be involved in that because uh, you, it's not for you really to say this person is right or this group is right. Mm. Now, if it's two countries that are fighting, uh, again, you have, to, you have to first of all decide why you want to be involved. If you want to be involved because the other, the one side believes 
in, in democracy, the other side believes in another ideology, mm. and you want to support the, the democratic side, that may be your choice. But at the end of the day, supporting uh, warring countries needs to be, it's a decision made by, by, by parliament, and we have to decide as government whether we want to get involved or not. Because you don't want to abuse the military, the Zimbabwe military, no. These are human beings who are committed to to uh, to serving the nation, not to serve not to serve the world as such. Especially when they are not remunerated at all. It's all right to be to be a mercenary. It's mm -hmm. all right to be a mercenary, but not to send a national army and uh, and, and and not to, and not to pay them as you promised. That is wrong. We don't want to abuse the military. The military is an important unit that we need to respect that we need to protect, that we need to, uh, to treat fairly in all regards. So how do you feel about China's influence in the region, and more importantly, their economic hold in this country? This uh, question is very complex. You talked, about, uh, you talked earlier about, uh, about uh, opening Zimbabwe for business. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess this government invited people from outside to come in, and the Chinese came in. Mm. They came in full time, and they are all over. And also, this country believes that uh, the Chinese helped us in this in the liberation war. And my question is, uh, what? How much do we owe the Chinese people to the point where they uh, they've been free to mine minerals from this country for forty years? How much do we owe them? So that question needs to be addressed. When you are friends with people, when people help you, like. Tanzania helped us, Zambia helped us, even South Africa helped Mozambique helped us. But what are we extending to them in return? Nothing. But when it comes to the Chinese, we, we say, come and get whatever you want. I think that's an overextension of, uh, of friendship. I noticed that um, the Chinese, quote-unquote, offered to build us a, a, a parliament building uh, and, uh, in Mount Hampton right now. Uh, and, uh, and I say that was in the middle of the COVID. And they're building a parliament building, not a hospital. That's because the Chinese do whatever they want to do in Zimbabwe. The government doesn't seem to have a say on what the Chinese can do or cannot do. Mm. Not too long ago, we heard that in Mutoko, uh, the Chinese found uh, some kind of area where they wanted to mine something or to take uh, rocks or whatever. And they moved the traditional people there to, they said, go somewhere, just leave this place to us. And I'm saying, is this what it means to be free, to be an independent country? That you uproot citizens, you uproot residents for the sake of, uh, of business or for the sake of our friendship with the Chinese. I, th I think, um, yeah, the Chinese uh, are very hardworking people. But the Chinese will take whatever they can take. We, uh, we, our foreign policy is very uh, uh, clear that whoever we interact with, it should be win-win, not win-lose. We want a win-win situation with whoever uh, we have a working relationship with as governments. Mm. When you're working for the people, it's, it's easy to make good decisions like that. How would you handle the embassies and what would your orders be to the ambassadors? First of all, the purpose of an embassy is to um, to provide an island where your citizens who are in that country mm -hmm. are, are 
can go when they're in trouble or whatever they want. That is their home. That is their home away from home. And so in the case of, uh, of, of Ukraine or even Russia, uh, the Zimbabweans would write to the embassy and say, what do we do? Uh, and and the, the respective countries would tell them what to do. Some of them, I know that in Ukraine, we had some people in Ukraine, students in Ukraine, who were uh, evacuated and uh, they were uh, sent back to Zimbabwe. That is one arrangement. Uh, and I think the same would have applied in, in Russia. But the main thing with an embassy, with the Zimbabwe embassies all over the world, is that um, I understand that the, the ambassadors are hardly uh, paid and they are, they are really starving and they, they live a miserable life and so forth. That defeats the purpose. If the embassies uh, are doing their job, they should also facilitate, for example, uh, uh, voters in Zimbabwe who are in Ukraine and in Russia and all over the world, uh, if they want to vote, uh, when we have our national uh, elections in 2023, they should go to the embassy and they submit their ballots there, and then the embassies will, will send in the ballots to to Zek here in Zimbabwe. But they don't do like that. So, in other words, our embassies all over the world are not doing what uh, what what embassies are intended to do, namely to provide a home away from home to the citizens. Mm. All right. Um... A large part of the UNT's core values are human rights and civil liberties. With gender diversity situations growing internationally, how will the country under your leadership deal with this rapidly changing landscape? Right. I just let me just refer to uh, address the the aspect of your question that deals with um, uh, labeling signages and so forth and so on. Uh, by way of kind of maybe this is funny. I don't know, but. When I went to Epworth the other day um, and I asked for the uh, for the toilets and uh, the custodian there showed me a toilet where it was labeled boys, the other one was labeled girl, girls, but this was a public uh, facility. So I said, where are the men's and mm. the women's? And they said, the boys is for everybody <laughs> and the girls is for, for everybody who is female. So I'm saying this to say that uh, some people, uh, they just put up signs which really don't mean much. Because in the case of a person who, who, who identifies themselves as neither uh, a boy or a girl, where do they go? For example, there are some people now, here and there, you find some people who, who don't, who don't uh, uh, regard themselves as male or female, they're in the, in the middle. In that case, what toilet do they use? That's kind of funny, but uh, but um, I think uh, uh, signages are important of a people's culture. In Zimbabwe, we still have just the men's and the women's. And interestingly enough, I don't know why these are always in English in a Shona-speaking context. Why don't they put Varume uh, and Vakadzi? Why don't they do that? No, they just have men, and boys, and girls. Not everybody's a boy, not everybody's a girl, mm. um, but uh, you know, they, they don't put much thought to it. And I don't think the country, the government should be in a position to legislate how you, how you, how you put up these signs. It's just common sense from a community, from leadership, to say what makes sense in their, in their, in their area. Do you think that there's a lesson that 
uh, other countries could learn from how we've handled our citizens and firearms? Well, actually, I want to say that uh, it seems to me that uh, because of our respect for human life, traditionally, it's just a no-no to shed blood for any reason. And so, of late in this country, I have seen incidences where, where soldiers in uniform actually are performing robberies, you know, using gun, guns to threaten uh, their victims and so forth. I have uh, heard of policemen doing the same thing. I've also heard of uh, several stabbings. And so, this country is now drifting more into, into um, disrespect for human life. In traditional religion, and I know this very well, in traditional religion, Shedding human blood is just a no-no. But this country is letting these things go, again, because there's no rule of law, really. And um, in some uh, parties in this country actually encouraging violence as a way to get what you want. I think we are drifting away from our Africanness. Uh, our uh, African culture was known for being, uh, for being uh, one that is... Uh, that respect the human life. And so, if we maintained that respect for human life, I can tell you that we might have something to teach other nations. That we, we don't... You know, I often wonder, why do people in the middle of, uh, say, uh, London, why do they carry guns? Why do the policemen carry guns in the middle of Washington, D.C., in the middle of Paris? Why do they carry guns in the middle of Harare? There are no animals here. There are only human beings. Mm. So uh, um, I would like my country to, to drift towards the direction of, uh, of just uh, not use guns to, to control human beings. They mm. should, we should use other means other than the gun. Because okay. the gun is intended to kill. Mm. Okay, um, we're going to kind of get away from the super political questions, but not, not too far away. So where and when were you born? I was born uh, after the Second World War, and uh, I was born in, uh, in Makoni district. Uh, my chief is uh, Makoni, he's ruling now, uh, that's in, uh, near Rusape. Um, but I grew up mainly in Morewa. Uh, in my, my primary school uh, days. Um, how would you describe your upbringing? I think I have a very interesting uh, 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 story to share with you. When I was uh, about uh, five years old, uh, six years old, I was assigned to, to be my grandmother's guide because my grandmother was blind. So wherever she wanted to go, I would lead her. I was not in school yet. That was all I had to do, to lead my grandmother. So when we were sitting down, grandmother would tell me everything that I needed to know, everything that, that, that was to, to hear about being a human being. So I have a deep sense of my culture, which I learned not in school, but from my grandmother. That, I, I'm so proud of that because what she taught me then is still good today. Mm. For example, she told me, even though I was just six years old, she said, she said, boy, call me boy, she said, boy, when you get ready to marry, don't look at the woman's beautiful face and fall for that. She said, even if a woman is just a one-eyed woman, if her heart is good, then you got a good wife. You know, 
that kind of a lesson, mm. if people would kind of hear what that means, a lot of people would uh, would uh, would really kind of learn from that and have some stable relationship. But that's just an example of why he would tell me that at, when I was just six years old. But of course, with the time, I got to shop around and attempt to, to find me a bride. I took that into consideration. The other thing <laughs> she, she told me was that, uh, uh, son, so she says, boy, never, uh, if you see a person who is hungry, you have had your meal, you should always, you should always sacrifice whatever you have in front of you and give that person. Because if that person was to die in your in your yard because of starvation, you can never explain that even to your creator. Because you are supposed to share. Do all you can to save to save a life. Mm. So I, that was a big lesson on on, on generosity, on, on sacrifice. Uh, and feeding the hungry. So uh -huh. earlier on, you talked about the widows and, and orphans. God, I learned my lesson then mm -hmm. that we should always do the best we can for the needy. My next question was going to be, um, what do you have to say to the youth of Zimbabwe? But I'm assuming that the lessons that you learned are, are, are what you would say. So if you had something to add to what you've already said, what would you, what would you say to the youth? To the youth of Zimbabwe, I would say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you are very lucky that you are where you are at this point in time, especially in view of my imminent presidency, hmm. because I'm going to make sure that you have all the opportunities that young people are entitled to, namely education. So we are going to have a free education in Zimbabwe. F free, not cheap, but the free education because the government has a lot of uh, resources by way of minerals to fund your education adequately. So you're going to have exposure to the computer in grade one. You're going to have exposure to all these sophisticated things and so that um, growing up you connect with the rest of the, the global society via media and technology and so on. So take advantage of that. I also want to say to young people that uh, always uh, when you decide what career you want to pursue in life, always, always uh, keep your ear open, keep your eyes open, but especially your mind. Keep your mind open to that silent voice that tells you what, who you really are and what you really should pursue in life. Don't pursue a career because everybody's doing it. You know, I, I hear young people say, everybody at school is doing this. You are not everybody. You are somebody. So feel your identity, uh, be honest to your identity, and, uh, and, and uh, contribute. Because everybody created by God is special. You were created for a purpose. Pursue that. You can, you can do that if you listen to the voice that tells you, who are you? Mm, okay. Um, speaking of the youth, what I think, I think this was a good one. Oh, I, I, I sometimes, sometimes I do good. Sometimes, sometimes you come up with good questions here on the protection of um, not only just the girl child, but the and not necessarily just the orphan, but the the child from abuse. How do you intend to increase awareness uh, of this issue? Yeah. Um, 
Traditionally, the concept of child abuse in, in our culture uh, is very limited. Uh, growing up, I never heard of child abuse, okay? Because <laughs> there was a, a, a thin line between disciplining a child and abusing a child. So, for example, growing up, I knew, I, I knew that if I did something that was not acceptable, my father would probably pull a belt and 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 and, and oh yeah and, and beat me up. Good times. And, 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 and when he did that, I knew it was a blessing. It was, <laughs> it was a blessing because he was trying to make a man out of me. <laughs> so so, but then today that that might be de described as child abuse. Mm. So like I said, there's a thin line between child abuse and and the discipline. Uh, the Bible says. Um, Spare the uh, child. Spare the rod. Spare, spare the spare the rod and spoil the child. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. something like that. Uh, um, because what that really says to me is that uh, uh, we have to. Be, the parents have to be very careful on on how to how they discipline the children. Beating up is not the only is not the best way. Actually, looking back. I think sitting down with your child and explaining what they've done wrong and what the consequences might be, could be. Mm -hmm. And also, if they do something good, sit down with them and, and, and tell them how important what they've done is mm -hmm. so that they begin to have a sense of pride in doing good and know that if you, they do something that is not so hard, it's, it, it doesn't help much, you know. So... Everybody wants to, to feel good. So I think one way to raise children uh, in this day and age is to be cognizant of the fact that uh, 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 beating up or, or, or punishing the child by way of you don't, you don't have, you skip two meals or whatever. That's mm -hmm. not the best way. Uh, that's not, there are better ways to do things. So that's what I would suggest to parents who are raising children. Another way is to make parents aware of the fact that um, uh, when a child seems to have some special problems, it may not be of their choice. It may be that they have other issues. Try to really understand what their issues are. Maybe you can help. Maybe it's beyond your help. And if it's beyond your help, you go to counselors, you go to professionals to give assistance to the child. Mm. Uh, I, I think those are, those are ways to consider uh, dealing with uh, this whole idea of child abuse. Okay, all right. So what, what charity or causes are you most passionate about, like both internationally and, um, and locally? Or if they're one and the same, that's fine. Uh, the UANC, for example, uh, has... Um, a couple of uh, involvements in uh, in, um, in charitable organizations. We have uh, one of our uh, members of the NEC as uh, you know, she runs a company that uh, that supplies uh, that gives uh, food supply to 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 the needy. And there's another person who is also a member in our uh, our committee. Who who, uh, who runs an orphanage and um, and of course is trying to make a home uh, for those people and so we already have that sense of, of caring for the needy within our leadership uh, group and uh, of course when we get in government I can see that these 
I would see that these uh, uh, charitable organizations are well funded, and not just these, but others like it, like it, you know, so that um, it becomes a national uh, concern to take care of the needy. Uh, charitable organizations are good because, as I said earlier, they try to create a home environment, a brother-sister relationship, or a brother, I mean, a son and, uh, and a daughter and a parent relationship, even though these are not biologically related. Mm. Uh, so I encourage this very much, because that's where you, you teach people the uh, good culture, good behavior, uh, and so forth. Mm. So I, I, I value them very much. Before you, even before you decided that you were going to be trying to work to to make the country a better place, before mm. you really took up the mantle as as, uh, as you have recently, mm. is there anything that you were always passionate about? Any causes or anything like that that you were passionate about, even before kind of the political thing came into? into yeah, some... I have always um, had a passion for. Um, uh, family structures that uh, that nurture future citizens uh, and um, officials in the country. Mm. Now, when I say that, uh, I really, it's because I really believe that um, the the place where where any citizen gets to get get good orientation of what it is to be human, what it is. To be a, a participant in a community, what it is to be a useful citizen mm. is family. If uh, growing up in a, a situation where there's father and mother, mm. and then hopefully even siblings, trains you to relate to other human beings, trains you to respect authority, trains you to uh, to share with with your sibling, trains you to be you know to relate to other people and trains you to be uh, sacrificial in many situations. So the family, family unit, is the most important thing that God created for us to, to, to nurture ourselves in. Mm. A lot of people think that you go to church to learn this, you go to, to a club to learn this, fine. Mm. But the first place is the, is the family. Mm. So on that note, I would want to say that uh, I feel very uh, saddened by people who, husband and wife, who raise children, and when these children are uh, between 10 and 25, thereabout, then the parents divorce. And they, by divorcing, they don't realize that they are destroying all these lives that they look up, looked up to them as, as models, as role models. And when they parents fight, and to the point where they say, we cannot live together, it's impossible to live together, what what message are they giving to these children? Mm. Sociologists tell us that uh, in most cases, uh, the, uh, children who are raised in a, and the parents divorce, those children are growing up uh, are, are going to think that uh, divorcing is the best way to solve matters. Mm. <laughs> and yet it's, it's, it's because the parents have set that kind of an example. What happened to the spirit of uh, of, uh, of sacrifice? If you don't like your spouse so much, you have had children with, with the spouse, and now you get to a point of not liking them so much, why don't you find a way to live with that as an inconvenience, but you live with it, not only for your sake, but for the sake of the children growing up, so they see a good model. Um, 
But these days you hear some counselors actually telling you, well, you know, if, if, if you can't take it, just leave it. Mm. Uh, that, that's a really defeatist attitude that we don't espouse. I like to encourage parents to take their time to, uh, to try to uh, be tolerant enough in a situation. And I always ask myself, if you found a young lady that you loved so much, or a young man that you loved so much, how is it that to, after 20 years, after 30 years, you think that this is the worst person that you can ever meet in the world? How, how is that? Isn't it that it's time to adjust? Anyway, that may not be the uh, most relevant topic right now, but um, we are talking about uh, the best environment in which to raise children, mm. and I believe family is. Okay. So uh, my government would really, really uh, uh, develop a policy of uh, affordable housing because I don't want my, I, I I discourage raising children in a in a, in in places or in homes where where you are always moved or you are always told by the landlord to get out of there because they have failed to pay rent. Now I want families to have their own homes so children have a sense of home a sense of ownership and a sense of stability and a sense of pride and that is also by the way nation uh, wealth creation because when the parents die they leave the home to, they leave the house to their children and and so on so if you are always a tenant when are you gonna what are you gonna leave for their for your children nothing yeah yeah mm. so how do you see the the future of zimbabwe the future of Zimbabwe is bright. This is the best question of the day. The future of Zimbabwe is bright. Not just because, um, not just because I will be the president, but because I will be the president of a country that really has all the potential to be great. Uh, our minerals, our agriculture, our manufacturing, our tourism, all these industries are are really um, ready to to make Zimbabwe great again. Mm. Sounds like I'm borrowing from somebody, but no, make mm. it great again because there was a time when Zimbabwe was was the, to go to a country in in such an area anyway. Mm. So, but now it's Zimbabwe is the country to run away from. Now that has to be reversed. Mm. My leadership will reverse that. So, <clears throat> that being said, uh, with um, given, in, I guess, in the view of the UANC, if the UANC were, were to receive a negative result in the election, how will you continue to affect Zimbabwe in such a positive way? So without the, without the uh, obviously you don't have the title and the things that come with it, how do you intend to continue to support this country without the, um, as some might say, the limelight? Yeah. Right. I, I like that question, but my response is uh, is, uh, is unfortunately, uh, oh, uh, my response does not <laughs> kind of respond to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, the purpose of running for election, running for president, is to win. Mm -hmm. So I'm not thinking, what if I don't win? I'm mm -hmm. thinking that when I win, this is what I'm going to do. Bam, bam, bam. Mm -hmm. So. Um, um, I cannot answer the question where you are asking it, but I felt like I should know 
that uh, that uh, I am in this race to win mm. and uh, whatever we are teaching people now of course will remain with them if we teach people to be between now and uh, 2023 we are telling people what kind of a government we are we will be what kind of values we espouse and so forth so these things will remain with them mm. so i think the question might be in your campaign, what do you think you are giving to the nation that they can remain with, that they can work with in the future? That that, that is nothing to do with I, whether I don't become the president or I become the president, because whatever they learn now, if it is good, it's gonna work either way. Either way. All right. <laughs> yeah, the nice either way. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the end of my questions for you and some of the questions that people kind of sent in. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and, and have a chat with me. I know you got a busy day. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's, is there, is there anything else? Maybe like a last message you want to yes. shoot out? Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad you gave me this opportunity to, uh, to visit with you and also to share with you what, what I see, what I envisage as the next uh, president of this country. And exercise but, this morning. But, 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 but more importantly, I want to, uh, uh, to say to the people of Zimbabwe, all those hearing my voice at this time, I want to say that this is the time, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us be thoughtful and let us be productive and let us definitely consider voting for Muzorewa for president uh 2023 because i'm standing i'm my belief is that uh, what i have to offer the nation has never been offered before what i have to offer the nation is something that the nation will benefit from what i have to offer the nation the leadership i intend to offer the nation is, is the leadership that that uh, that is second to none thank you all right well that's that's it